Welcome back to the Straight On edition of Sports Talk as we get going here on a Tuesday afternoon. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. No, we have not entered the transfer portal today. Not yet. Not yet. There's still time. Yeah, there is still time. To be honest with you, I'm going to talk to Brad Dubow. Tell him I want more money. I want an NIL deal. I want somebody to pay me. And then once I get that, I'll uh, work on the rest of it. Maybe they can also give me some free food, um, you know, a car. That'd be kind of nice. Uh, you know, what else do I need? Uh, hire um, a childhood friend or, or somebody on staff. Yeah, that always helps. People have been asking me for jobs for years, and I've never been able to talk. I, I, um, I want a lifetime supply of tequila from Augustine. I'll put that on my list of things I want. Um, and then maybe I'll stay. Maybe I'll stay. I mean, seriously. This, this, this portal is such a bunch of you-know-what, folks. It really is. I mean, here I am. I want to talk about uh, you know, the national championship. I want to talk about Kansas beating North Carolina. I want to talk about Chihuahua's opening night. The A-team's even here. And what are we talking about? Hi. Hi. We're talking about the UTEP basketball team because three went into the portal today. Yeah, Steve, so, it, was, uh, you know, it was the news that Christian Agnew, Emmanuel White, and Jarrell Satterfield hit the portal, and uh, now we have to turn the page on those players right there and look at who else will be departing and who might be uh, committing to UTEP basketball in the uh, coming weeks. I think we're going to find out about who's departing before we're going to find out about who's committing. Let's be honest. Uh, by the way, by the time this is over, uh, UTEP fans might have to be committed to a, um, you know, you know where. Uh, it's going to be rough. They're going to probably say, uh, you know, they're going to have to check themselves and understand, hey, this is what we expected. Now, I'll be the first to tell you I didn't expect Satterfield. That's the one name I didn't think. But he also didn't produce uh, the last 14 games like he did the previous 10 or 12 games. So I understand that, too. I, I Look, Joe Golding needs guys that can play and everybody that can contribute from top to bottom. So uh, I'm fascinated to see. Some people are like, well, as long as we don't lose Sule Boom or Keontae Kennedy. Uh, just wait. Uh, exit meetings haven't ended yet. We don't know what's going to happen. So anything's possible. So instead of talking about this, let's talk about uh, what's coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. Start of the Chihuahua season. I, I still don't even know who's playing because I haven't seen the rosters yet from Hags. Hags doesn't even know. But I'll tell you one thing I can tell you. Forget the fact that the starting lineup, which will be announced in two hours, is still completely unavailable at this point. Here's what we do know. We know that a week from tonight they're home. We know that a week from tonight the home, the home games start. Okay, And that's where these two individuals come in. Because Angela Olivas uh, is one of those people that is kind of like the pulse of this team. She is. She's the pulse of the team. And now she's the pulse of two teams because Locomotive has been added to her responsibilities. But uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. Andy Emfeld is the man who has a job that people dream about. In fact, earlier today when I was on the KLQ Morning Show, Nico said, he's got the greatest job ever. How do I get that job? I'm like, well, you don't. Andy's the on-field MC. He goes, yeah, but it's such a cool job. I go, that's why he still has it. That's why he's here after almost 10 years. And we call these two the A-team because they're here right now. And even though the homestand doesn't start uh, for a week for Oklahoma City, we want to bring them on uh, a little early to give you a preview of what to uh, expect here next week when the home season begins. And uh, Chihuahua's baseball kicks off here in less than two hours. Welcome back, A-team. Good to see you. You look great. Andy, your hair is immaculate. You don't have any facial hair, so you're ready for the start of the season. <laughs> Angela, you look uh, like intense, like you are ready to go. I can tell it's the start of baseball season. I really can. You're going to make me blush, Steve. I actually just got this haircut today, and I did have some facial hair for March. 
Did I see you in March? No, no. thank God. You had God. a mustache. I, we did it in, in the march. office. We did a little mustache march. Creepy mustache or good mustache? You know what? I think I do a solid good. mustache. I'm not a facial hair guy, as you guys You have all a picture know. on your phone of your mustache? All the gentlemen uh, in our office looked very handsome. Did everyone, well, I Haggerty do, didn't grow a mustache because it would take Haggerty, Haggerty four years to try to grow facial hair. <laughs> oh, well, here's this. You met, or you mentioned, obviously, soccer. Yes. Um, we've worked, worked the first couple matches. Have you seen a, a certain show? That <laughs> yes. new a show that features a, a football coach, American football Ted coach. Ted Lasso, yes. Oh, yeah. Did you talk, look like oh, you've Talk got, to me about Ted us. Lasso right there. Oh, my. Let me see something here. Hang on, hang on. Bring that over here. We're going to have to post this, Adrian. We should post Let this on see. social. Oh, wow. That is phenomenal. And he by did. the way, is this, a real, uh, is this a real stash? It is a real that stash. That is 100% real. That you know what that does first off yeah you still have the crazy swirly hair going above the Adidas um you know uh, above the visor but yeah that is a good looking uh, that's a good looking Ted Lasso impersonation I like that yes phenomenal I, that was the first match right the first match yeah. the home opener good yeah, for you the home opener. all right I like it good job growing that thing but thank goodness it's gone because I I just can't do facial hair I just well you it's, do it it's just you don't like it yeah right? Let's no, be exactly yeah. Accurate. All right. Uh, does the girlfriend like the facial hair? Does uh, she yeah, say no, keep not it? a big fan. Not okay. Big fan. <laughs> hey, mine's mine's not either. If it makes you feel any better, all right. There you go. Because I've grown a full beard. I've grown the I've grown the goatee. Never grew the stash. Um, never wanted to. But um, there's no time you know, like the present, and that will never happen. So there you go. But hey, uh, I'm happy you're back. I'm happy both of you are ready to go. Is it hard to believe that baseball season starts tonight? It came. It just kind of snuck up on us. It right? did it, it, a little bit, especially when you're talking about the rosters. How big league camp broke late. Like you're right. We don't know who's actually a yeah. Chihuahua tonight. Yet. Neither does Haggerty. If it makes you feel well, any talking, better, we were talking to to Jared on sun, Sunday for media day, and he said that we probably won't know definitively until we get back for our home opener. There was media uh, day on day. Sunday. There was. You received. The, you had the press release. I have no. Uh, that's how busy <laughs> I've been. I've been. Adrian, did you get the release on media day Sunday? Yes, I did. Oh. You were in Austin, right? <laughs> I was in Austin. That's right. All right. Hang on. Let me double check here. Let me look at all my emails. Yeah, so Jared, Jared was saying how we might not even know who's definitively definitively on our team, at least and probably till the end of the week, if not coming up for uh-huh. the home opener. But so. the thing is, we've never been able to know who's on the team. We can never control what's Can't. on the field. But what we can control is we're going to have a good time Absolutely. on April the 12th for our opening day. That's right. All right. Well, that's the way it should be, right? I yeah. mean, because it's going to be a big crowd. It's it going to be, be a, a great crowd. Of course, you all know, gates open at 5.30, first pitch 6.35. Um, we're honoring the Taco Twos and Brews specials. Nice. So $2 rotating beer can as well as $2 tacos. That'll go until 8 o'clock. So come on, be a part of the pageantry yeah. of opening day. We're going to have a great time. Let's I start like off Something season. new this year. Our, you know, our games are going to start at 6.30 except for Sundays. So uh, it's going to be very easy for you to be able to, to come out right after work and, and get home early. What time do they usually start? What time do they start in the years past? Uh, 6.35 uh, midweek and mm-hmm. then weekends 7.05 and then come the summer it would change to 7.05 and then we would change back at the end of the season and now to we're doing 6.35. S- and now we're, we're just going to go all 6.35. 6.30 across the board. Good Except for, you. for Sundays. So. That's all right. That's good because that just means games are going to end earlier. Exactly. I like that. Kids get to go home <laughs> and not have to feel like they're exhausted if it's school the next day. That's exactly, exactly right. right. Good job, A-team. Good start. Hey, by the way, new lights this year. LED lights oh and goodness. I hear they are spectacular. They are so fun. We've been able to choreograph some animations yep. with mm-hmm. music. So when a Chihuahuas player is going to hit a home run, you'll see some effects. It's going to be really adding fun to the uh, in-game experience. Absolutely. If you've been to a soccer, a locomotive match, um, you would have seen it every time we score a goal. Um, But we're going to have some excitement. We're going to be able to see it, you know, home runs, 
pre-fireworks shows. It's it's really cool. It's one of the cool things that we have nice. that's new at the ballpark. Some of the fan cams and stuff. Yeah, we're going to have a, a blast with it. And you got 3,000 uh, red rally towels going out next Wednesday, right? That, or that, Tuesday. That's right. You know, we've, we've only done white in the past, but we've decided, you know what? We're going to have a red out. So we're inspiring all of you Chihuahuas fans to come to the game, wear your red, get your red rally towel, and... Celebrate the Chihuahuas the right way. Um, I'm also excited because you're bringing back old food items. That is going to be fun too. I heard that's uh, part of the uh, you know part of the, the the focus this year is to go back to some of the things from the old days. And old days meaning like eight years ago. That's the toughest yeah. part about this past <laughs> week, Steve. Is they are cooking and testing and getting everything prepped. And I usually take the month prior to the season to try and slim down a little bit. But jeez, yes. our concessions crew is not helping me with that because so the food you're is getting delicious. so you get food every day at the office. We, we they they do they, need to test it, it, making sure it's 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 all up to par. And the new stuff too. And the new stuff. It's just Got, I've I've been able to sample the soft serve ice cream. So oh, oh, I haven't nice. had that yet. It's so good. They have Dole Whip. Ooh, stop oh, like it. Disneyland Dole Whip. Okay, now hang on. Let me explain. <laughs> so let me explain. Now let me explain something to you. Yeah, okay? pineapple. In 1989, my dad, who was a pen salesman, uh, his job they they closed the office, and he went into the frozen yogurt business, and he brought Dole Whip to El Paso in 1989 for the very first time. Wow. Pineapple, strawberry, raspberry. And uh, banana were the uh, were the original. Those were the original Dole Whip flavors. And then uh, came Skinny Dip. So you talk about Dole Whip from Disneyland. I'm thinking Dole Whip was the Kaplowitz. <laughs> that was a, that was a thing here. We had to, we had we used to have carts in the mall. Sunland Park <laughs> Mall had a yogurt cart, and we served Dole Whip back in those days. So that's yeah, nice that's that it's making a return. Something something new. So we, cha- we we changed Chico's Cantina over behind Section 122. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now Chico's Treats and Eats, Eats and Treats. Eats and nice. Treats. And so yeah, soft serve ice cream will be out of there as what well kind as of some candy. Um, we have vanilla. Uh, vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, pineapple. There's like a coconut pina colada. something. Oh, that's yeah, what I'm pina colada, nice. and then it, but really cool. Good. And that's gonna bring me back. It's gonna bring me back to the uh, to my yeah. roots. I feel like I'm still in high school again, uh, serving <laughs> up soft serve for everybody. That's perfect. It. Were you slanging it back then? Are you right? kidding? Of course I was. <laughs> the greatest. That was the greatest high school job in the uh, there was. Heck yeah. Sunland Park Mall just opened, and we were in high school making money, serving ice cream to everybody. One for good. you, one for me, kind yep. of deal, or what? Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, it was, we, we worked deals. We worked deals with the uh, we, uh, the sandwich shop next door. I don't. I don't want to get into that. That was <laughs> back in the old days. So, um, but that's great. So that's also happening. So there's a lot of new things happening at the ballpark guys good for you yeah it's gonna be very fun it sounds like it and uh, it all starts tuesday oklahoma city by the way you picked the greatest uh team to come in for the first homestand most popular team in baseball the dodgers and uh, now we get the dodgers padres rivalry to start things off that's gonna be a lot of fun yeah it's the whole pageantry behind that on an opening day where you guys got to get there early we're gonna do the whole introductions of each whole lineup and they're gonna take the foul lines for the national anthem we're gonna have bunting and the big big flag displayed so you you definitely don't want to miss it of course yeah the dodgers they're one of the best teams in baseball right now. I like now. that. I like that. Hey, if I ever want to be a guest server at the soft serve machine, can I work it? Can I work it for a game? We'll we'll talk to Adriana. Do you have your food handler's license? I used to. <laughs> I don't know, I'd have to take the class again. It'd be too bad. But I could. I remember that. I was that hey, some things haven't changed. That's right. Um, okay, good. Now that's all happening. Starting Tuesday goes through Sunday because Mondays this year will be the off days. That's Monday correct. off day. So Tuesday through Sunday, great way to watch baseball. Uh, tickets are available right now, aren't they? 
they are. EPChihuahuas.com. Um, encourage you to purchase early. Uh, seats are going fast for opening night as well as that Friday and Saturday following. Um, we encourage everyone to get your seat now before it goes and you're stuck with standing room only. Um, we want to we want to bring everyone out. It's this this is going to be the first year where we're almost pretty much back to normal since 2019. Mm-hmm. And we want everyone to have a good time. We have a new coaching staff. We have the new lights, ribbon boards, the new Chico's treats and eats and treats. We have so many new things that are that will will be debuting this year. Some promotions that Andy and his team have come up with uh, on day of the week, and we encourage everyone to come out and be loud and and purchase purchase now, purchase early. That's going to be fun. Hey, by the way, isn't it great that Robbie Hammock's coming back after his right? three years with the Diablos? Yeah, I remember Robbie Hammock when he was catching and playing third base in the outfield for right. El Paso. Exactly. Twenty years ago, Andy. Yeah. Where were you years twenty ago. years ago? Uh, 20 years ago, I was in Burbank, California, probably like fifth grade. <laughs> nice. or fourth grade, maybe. All right, fourth grade. Fourth grade. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Just and play a little dodgeball. There you go. I was probably working in the press box at Cohen Stadium with I my dad. Gonna, I was going to say. Yeah. That those, are the, those are the good old days That's right. around that. Um, Adrian, where were you uh, 20 years ago? Uh, let me think, Steve. I was five years old. Uh, I was, it was, what, 2000? 2001 is that what is that what 2002 we're talking about? 2002 right yeah. yeah so i was just finishing maybe kindergarten or, or yeah just finishing kindergarten this semester man that's unbelievable and i was already f- 7 years into this <laughs> 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 oh my god all right uh so that's again it's going to be fun exciting Chihuahua's baseball's back locomotives already started season's underway we've had a couple of that's home right. matches when's the next home match going to be home matches on saturday this Saturday, April 9th, uh, we have post-match fireworks. They are playing in an Open Cup match tonight mm-hmm. on ESPN+. Plus. If you don't know what Open Cup is, y'all better y'all need to look it up. It is really cool. I don't know much about soccer, but I'm learning, and I've learned what Open Cup is. It's pretty much every single type of league in the country exactly. is playing against each other. So they'll, they could play against... A Division Four league team, but they could also play against an MLS league team to a club team to a USL um, one, USL two it's championship. Really cool. It's so exactly. this is really cool. It's a really cool um, event, and so our our guys will be playing tonight. Then they'll come home um, and then play on Saturday before they hit the road again. So everyone, come out and be loud. Those tickets are going fast as well. Um, here does it's a different style of play. It's really cool to watch this team. We're zero and four, but don't that's not indicative of how great and talented this team is they are fast it's exciting soccer um if you get a chance to watch it it's really cool i say that because i'm learning about soccer um i like this style of play because it is it is exciting and intense um but this saturday get your tickets now at eplocomotivefc.com uh post-match fireworks and uh the we have the pepsi family four packs you can four people four tickets four sodas four hot dogs four uh uh, what is it? Popcorn for a really good price. Um, it just come out and be loud. Support your locomotive. That's right. All right, guys. Great to see you both. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, Chihuahua season is here. Locomotive right. season's already underway. So much going on. I expect to see a lot of both of you over the next five months. Oh, you will. Steve. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Eight teams here to stay. That's right. Good. Well, welcome back, A team. We missed <laughs> you, and we you appreciate guys. you both being here today to start us off. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, Angelo, leave us. Andy Emfeld, folks, kicking it off. Let's go to Charlie with traffic, and uh, then we'll come back and we'll talk more about what went on with UTEP and the championship game. As sports talk continues.
Back here on Sports Talk as we continue at 23 past the hour. Appreciate the A-team dropping in. 8805763, that is our telephone number to get into the program. 8805763, our old number. Now our new number is 915-505-6009. That's how things have changed around here. So 915-505-6009. All right. See, Adrian, when I give out the number, I don't even think. And then the 880 just comes right out. Then, I, then I'm like, oh, wow, I said that again. Then I got to go correct that. So, see, that's what I love about doing this show for so many years. The phone number is become, it's like ingrained in you. You don't even, you could be not thinking about anything. And, you, and that number is like ready to go. But now you have to be awake to come up with this 915-505-6009 number. So it's forcing me to pay more attention than I normally do during the show. Thank goodness we have zero plans, Steve, to change our Twitter handle anytime soon. So uh, we can we can at least rest assured that uh, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter is something that we can uh, use as a crutch and say for, you know, from time to time. I think so, too. I think so, too. Uh, Jennifer Hans, 20 minutes away, excited about having um, El Paso Sweetheart on with us. But right now, um, and I do want to get to you know the, the topic of the day. There's two topics, really. The, the game last night, which, by the way, terrific basketball game. I thought North Carolina was just going to destroy Kansas after the 15-point halftime lead. I didn't know if, if Kansas had a run in them, and I definitely didn't think they were just going to come back in the first five minutes of the second half and make it a ball game and then really back and forth all the way throughout. I got to give the Jayhawks a ton of credit after North Carolina really made it look like it was going to be an easy win for them. Yeah, it's it's weird because Kansas is one of those teams or was one of those teams this year uh, that would look great in the first half, but then wouldn't look great in the second half. Well, last night it was the you know the complete opposite. They were terrible in the first half and they picked it up in the second half. And I really look at the end of the game and how it finished out, where Baycott got injured from North Carolina, was playing on that injured ankle, and then uh, he was subbed out of the game. It was Manic versus David McCormack. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking McCormack 10 out of 10 times in that situation, and that led to the win right there. And North Carolina well, had three chances to heave a three-point attempt. Caleb Love ugh. shooting it from 30 feet. I mean, come on, man. I, I get it. You made it against Duke. but Caleb uh, Love couldn't throw it into the ocean yesterday. He couldn't. And by the way, uh, Baycott was unbelievable, okay? He gets hurt with like 45 seconds left in the game, and they're down one. Remember, it was down one, 45 seconds left. I was like, uh-oh. That's what you knew. As soon as, he tore, as soon as he twisted that ankle again, they were going right to McCormick. And as soon as they went right back to McCormick, you knew he was going to post up and score. And unfortunately, um, I was thinking about this from the betting angle. Listen to this. Say you take North Carolina plus four yesterday, okay? It's a three-point game with five seconds left, and Kansas has the ball. And you figure Kansas will inbound, you'll foul them, they'll make two free throws, and the game's probably going to end as a five-point game. You bet North Carolina plus four, you lose by one, okay? Best-case scenario, he goes one out of two, you, you push. Then Kansas steps out of bounds, and North Carolina gets the ball back with like four seconds left. And the first thing I thought of is, even if North Carolina loses, betters rejoice. All the money on North Carolina wins yesterday because they lose by three and they were plus four. So that's how crazy the betting world is. One 
accidental step on the out-of-bounds line swung who knows how many millions of dollars from one direction right to the other. Yeah, and people who jumped in at halftime for live betting odds and thought that, hey, you could get North Carolina at that point. It was a shoe, it was a surefire uh, blowout that the Tar Heels were going to run away with it. They were probably looking back to last year and thinking, well, Baylor annihilated Gonzaga in the title game. Maybe this is North Carolina's turn to do it, but Kansas came on a, a huge run. So, yeah. yeah, you're right. Betters rejoice. Mm. North Carolina still covers. By the way, North Carolina, give them so much credit. They were so they were so good in that second half. I mean, they dominated North Carolina. They did. And yet, as long as Baycott was in there, I thought the Tar Heels had a chance. He played so, – that guy gave you every single ounce he had, even though he wasn't 100% the whole game. Didn't matter. And it was so heartbreaking to watch him limp up and down the floor after he got hurt. And by the way, I give credit to Kansas. They could have easily tried to put it in when they were four on five and get that quick basket to make it a three-point game, and then they would be able to call a timeout. But he hustles back in. They got they stopped the whistle, and I'm like, wow, really? If if Kansas purposely stopped the game or kind of slowed it down to give him a chance, hey, that's sportsmanship, man. I know some people say that's crazy. You 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 go for the jugular when when you're down a man, but I I had to give Kansas a lot of credit there. Yeah, give him a ton of credit. I'm with you on that. That's senior guards right there and Abaji, who's mm-hmm. a veteran guy. I know he's not necessarily a senior, but he's a veteran player right there. Uh Puff Johnson, by the way, yeah. yakking on the, the court, Steve, Oof. uh with uh with a ton of you know, he he played a ton of minutes in that one. He just couldn't be the guy to make the big shot at the end of the game and Neither could Caleb Love. So, unfortunately for North Carolina, their uh, their season comes to an end. And I think for a lot of Tar Heel fans, for all the Tar Heel fans out there, they're going to really think that man, they, they should have won that. They should have. You have a, you have a team. Look, you have Kansas down fifteen at the half. You got to put them away. You got to put them away. All right. And they didn't. They let them right back in the game. Turned out. Hey, great game. Great game. Great tournament. So, a lot of fun. Second national championship for Bill Self in his career. I think it was the fourth for Kansas overall. Yeah, yeah, so. that's, that sounds right. All right. Um, back to UTEP for a second, okay? We've been telling you about the portal for weeks now. Weeks we've been letting you know. We haven't given you names. We just told you expect a mass exodus. That's what we've been telling you. With all the people that I've been hearing since the CUSA tournament that are expected out of the, uh, into the portal or out of, off the team, I was not expecting Jarrell Satterfield's name. I just wasn't. I thought he was going to be a holdover. Um, and granted, um, you know, we know the last 14, 15 games, Satterfield was a non-factor. Non- on the offensive side, non-factor. Okay, But he had that great stretch where he was hitting three ball after three ball after three ball from Las Cruces, New Mexico. I wanted to see Satterfield make it as a minor. But unfortunately, Adrian, it just seemed like really when you started to get um, – Sule, Boom, and Keontae Kennedy back again together. That's when Kennedy, uh, when uh, uh, Satterfield's production started to go back down. Well, I don't know, Steve. I, I think he actually dipped in terms of shooting a little bit before Keontae Kennedy came back for that UAB game. So mm-hmm. I think you almost needed Kennedy to be thrust into that uh, Drill Satterfield role because yeah. they were they were not getting anything from that spot. Uh, an alarming stat for Jarrell Satterfield. I, I know that he shot forty three percent from beyond the arc this year, which is solid. But here's the 
the bad stat. The last 15 games, Jarrell Satterfield only averaged 1.9 points per game, and he scored in double figures just once in those last 15 games. It was it, it was just tough to play Jarrell Satterfield because you yeah. want him to score for you, you want him offensively, and defend and and on the defensive side, he's just uh, he struggles at times to get to, to stay in front of defenders. I want to ask you about other names that haven't gotten into the portal yet. So we'll do that when we come back. Bottom of the hour right now. Jennifer Hahn, 15 minutes away. Sports Talk continues. Adrian, the Miners lose um, backcourt depth today. Now, Christian Agnew, I thought was a guy that we've been hearing rumblings, but I, I didn't know. I With all the other names out there, I thought maybe Christian comes back, but he goes into the portal. Satterfield's in and Emmanuel White's in. Now, there are certain names like, I mean, Keza Giff is going to go into the portal. He has no future here at UTEP more than likely over the next three years, so he's got to go someplace else. So I would think that Giff is going to be a portal bound here pretty soon. I don't know about Kevin Kalu. I think that's going to be an interesting name to see what he ends up doing because he showed some promise early, but his conference play started. You didn't see nearly as much of Kalu being a factor like you did in the non-conference play. So that's another name to keep an eye on. But then you get the big ones. The big ones right now are... Keontae Kennedy and Sule Boom. Um, and you just don't know. I mean, there's there's a very good chance you lose them both. And if you lose them both and you lose Giffa and you possibly lose Kalu, then how many have they lost so far? Five? Six. Six, Six altogether. Six, but that, but and, and Alfred Hollins is seven, right? Correct. Because That's he was true. the grad transfer and he wasn't coming back anyway off, off last year's team. So you lose six. Now, you know Giffa's going to be seven. We don't know about Kalu. That would be eight. And then potentially you could lose your two guards. I mean, it's very possible that they could lose all ten, and and all they're going to have left is going to be Sibley and Z. And who's well, I think Z's a walk on, isn't he? Yeah, I think so too, Steve. I don't know if they've converted him to a full-time scholarship player, or I don't know if that's even uh, you know something that they've thought about down the line. The only other name that you can look on the list who's still on the roster is Cam Clardy, who is a freshman. Walk-on. And again, a walk-on, you're right. I think Z, I, I was under the impression Z and Clardy were walk-ons. That's what I was uh, I was told as well. But again, So Sibley could be the only scholarship player left when the smoke clears on this one. Yeah, that's that's really crazy to think, Steve. And, and I don't know what um, what's going on behind closed doors, what decisions are being made by players or coaches or things like that. But I do know that UTEP is still on the recruiting trail, still after you know a bulk of players. Well, they need they're going to need a whole team. Yeah. Let's be honest. If they lose everybody, they need an entire team for next season. So, so, uh, so UTEP fans who've long hated the transfer portal will ha- will soon have to really appreciate the portal if they're going to get any kind of production out of it. I'm telling you, I'm expecting a tweet for, or a text uh, from Tim Floyd asking me if this is the coach's fault, why it's happening. Since uh, the last time he uh, messaged me, that was the that was the exact same message then. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that this is college basketball. I mean, look what just happened with K State. Okay, look at the losses they've had. St. Peter's has that run into the Elite Eight. Their top three scores have just left the program and going into the portal. Um, and I think that um, Will Houston, who tweeted back today uh, to one of my original tweets, said it best, okay? At Willie H-Town said this, if kids want to transfer, make them sit out a year. The number of kids transferring would plummet. The system as it is now is broken. Free agency was never supposed to be a thing in college athletics. 
I see where he's going with that, Steve. But I just don't know. I today's in today's world, you're giving more power to the players. That's why you have the well, NIL they're not, rules. Not more. They're giving all the powers to the players. Right, really, right. all the power. No, you're right. Exactly. So all the power to the players because you've given all the power to the coaches, so they can depart anytime they want for another job. So hey, you're giving opportunities to player to yeah. players to make money or players to enter the portal. Now, do we like it? Do, does, does fans like this out of college basketball? No, of course not. They want to latch on to players and they want to you know root for a program that's going to bring players back year after year instead of a yearly turnover like this. Let's go back to the phones. I promised Ronnie we'll get to him before we go to break here in just a moment. Come back with Jennifer Hahn. Ronnie, go ahead. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing all right, Ronnie. How are you? I'm okay. I can't complain. Uh, you know, I, I actually uh, I don't have too much to say. I think that uh, this portal thing is what it's supposed to be. I, I think it's serving, you know, both parties. I think that schools want the out to be able to go and replace a player with maybe a player that they think is a better player or just a better fit. And I think the players want the out to maybe get out of a situation that they thought going into something was, was going to work for them, but now all of a sudden it doesn't. So I, I don't have a problem with the portal at all. I think, like I said, I think it's serving both parties. Uh, as far as the minors go specifically, uh, you know, when you see this many kids leaving a program, it's usually not just the players. Some of these players have been told by the staff, you know, hey, we're, we just don't want to bring you back. We want to move in a different direction. When you see this type of yeah. amount of kids, that's usually how that goes. And, and once again, the minors wouldn't have that luxury, right, if they didn't have this new portal rule and, and things of that nature. So it's serving both parties, and I think it's doing what it's supposed to, to do. I don't think that there's, you know, kids who are – falsely uh, uh, misled into this. I think that the kids deserve the out, and I think that the coaching staffs all across the country also deserve the out and also deserve the chance to improve their roster how they see fit. Well, I think that's what's happening right now because UTEP obviously realizes that there are some players on this roster that they missed on, and they need they need better players that can contribute, and then the players they need are looking to go elsewhere. So it's a double-edged sword, right? You you lose the guys you want to keep, and then the guys you got to get rid of, you're able to get rid of. So instead of let's say um, you know losing your top four or five players and then being stuck with what's left, uh, now you lose ten, and ultimately you have a chance to try and uh, you know and and um, take. More more shots. So if you fail, not every scholarship is as vital as it would be if you had, let's say, three or four spots left. Hundred percent, hundred percent. My my only worry for Utah specifically is when you do lose this amount of kids. Like I told Adrian a while ago, trying to go into the portal and place this amount of kids. Remember, every kid that's in the portal isn't in there because they want to go somewhere and be a backup. But the facts of the matter is, you can only put five players on the court at one time, so you're gonna. Go on some kids that, you know, told you, yeah, 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 on what your vision was originally. But when they get there and things don't play out, they're going to be unhappy as well, and they're probably going to re-portal up. I mean, that's just the nature of the True. Of, of, of the East. It almost, sounds like, it almost sounds like mid-majors are turning into uh, JUCOs. A hundred percent. The mid-majors become a JUCO, and, you know, and, and that's, just, that's just the facts of the matter. I think as far as UTEP goes, we all want to know what happens next with Boom and Kennedy because at, at this point that's all we really have left to hang our – hats on as far as you know this year's team in the last couple of seasons so that's really the, the big question marks and, and if, if that goes a certain way you know tomorrow or the next day we could all feel one way and if it goes a different way we could all feel you know we could feel just as hopeless as we did last year around this time and we didn't know what was going on with the program
Great points. Good job, Ronnie. Appreciate you getting in. Thanks, as always, for the time. Uh, calling us up at uh, 915-505-6009. Up next, Jennifer Hahn will join us live. She's got a huge opportunity for a chance to win some gold. We'll talk to uh, Jennifer next as Sports Talk continues. All right, 46 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Very happy to welcome back to the program Jennifer Hahn. She has a unbelievable opportunity uh, for herself and her team this Saturday when she is part of the main event of an ESPN fight card that'll be going up against uh, Michaela Mayer, and that's going to be in uh, California, Costa Mesa, California, Orange County Fair and Event Center. Jennifer joins us live on Sports Talk right now. Great to have you back. How are you holding up, Jennifer? I'm doing great. How are you, Steve? Doing well. Excited about what's going to be uh, happening for you and what's in store for you right now because uh, this is going to be uh, probably one of the best opportunities, if not the best, that you've had, especially uh, knowing where you're fighting. You're not having to go to England or any other place <laughs> around the world. You get to fight here in California, which I know is something you're excited about. Yes, yes. No, this is this is the best, best opportunity ever. I mean... We're getting some headline on ESPN Plus. I mean, we're doing it before Katie Taylor's the main event. It's awesome. I'm so I'm so excited for this opportunity. I'm glad. Jennifer, are you still there? Yeah, I'm there here. Okay, I, I, we're excited for you too. We think it's going to be phenomenal. This is actually the Unified Junior Lightweight Championship. You know what's ironic? Uh, and this is really something that's so interesting to me. You know, you fight your whole career, right, as a boxer, and you've you've been doing this a long time. Because I remember when you first turned pro, and now you feel like you know you're one of the veterans of the sport. And for the longest time. You could never get a championship fight. Never. I mean, it just wouldn't happen. Nobody wanted to fight you. They were all ducking you. And then all of a sudden, you start to uh, become a mom. You have a couple of kids. And now, lo and behold, here come all the fights you've been waiting your whole career for. <laughs> it's strange how life works, isn't it? It is strange. Like, I've, I've worked my entire life for these kind of opportunities, expecting that I'd never get them. And then you're right. Once I have my two sons, then... Finally, doors start opening, which is awesome. It is awesome. People probably thought, ah, she's preoccupied. You know what? Let's 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 put Jennifer on the list right now, which just right. means for you, hey, more opportunity and more reason to show up this weekend and take the belts away from uh, Michaela Mayer. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, um, I've I, I've known Michaela actually for a long time because back in the amateur, she fought against my sister Stephanie, and um. Stephanie, Stephanie actually beat her twice, but um, she has a similar style to Stephanie, very tall, very long, uh, good boxer. And I'm like, so I've seen her, I guess, um, navigate through the pros, and she's changed her style quite a bit where she wants to be more of a crowd pleaser and go for knockouts and be much, much more aggressive, which actually I think fits better with my style anyway. So I'm really, really... I've trained hard for this uh, fight. We've trained different strategies for Michaela because I don't know which boxer she's going to be on Saturday. Maybe she'll be both. We'll see. Maybe she'll be a brawler and a boxer. But um, I'm I'm so excited that I finally, finally get this opportunity. Did you um, get a chance to uh, spar with Stephanie in preparation I for did. this? I did. I absolutely did. She was the best sparring I had. And like I said, she's very similar to to Michaela because she's 
Well, Stephanie's 5'7", and Michaela's 5'9", so she is a little bit taller than my sister. But um, they're both very long. They both have good speed, good power, good combinations. And, yeah, Stephanie's been the best wearing. Now, I've always thought of you as a very technical boxer, somebody that um, you know is, is great with defense, counterpunching, and things like this, because that's really what you know, you've know you throughout your career been. Uh, at the same time, if she opens herself up and is going for the knockout and leaves herself exposed, are you right now at a point where you think that it's not about just outpointing her to win and take the belts? Could you deliver the knockout blow and 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 catch her when she's maybe not thinking about uh, a possible knockout punch from you? Right, absolutely. So, I mean, I don't go into fights expecting a knockout, and the more that you look for it, the more that you're susceptible to getting countered. So, I mean, if it happens, if it comes, I'm definitely going to take the opportunity, but... Right now, I'm focusing on sticking to the to the game plan that me and Louis worked so hard for, and we're going to definitely use all of our strategies because Michaela Mayer. I mean, it is her promoter, it is her titles. I mean, I'm not gonna pretend like anything's in my favor. It's not, but we're we've worked very hard for this fight. We've trained very hard. We've studied Michaela, and yeah, if I get an opportunity to stop her i definitely will absolutely right um and and by the way she's fought 16 times undefeated but she only has five wins via knockout which is interesting and you you fought 26 times i believe um and you know for you most of your wins are by points you're you're not about trying to knock out but that's what's interesting to me is i wonder michaela knows that and she knows what you're capable of and to me i don't know if she goes in with the knockout mentality because it's so difficult to try and knock you out right right yes definitely and well i mean if she wants to try and knock me out like i said i think that'll be more in my favor anyway so bring it there you go. Um, all right. So the last time you had the opportunity to go to England and, and fight for the world title, how many years ago was that? About two or three? Two. That was okay. Two years ago. How have you changed as a boxer since that opportunity? So fighting against Katie Taylor, that was amazing. That was also a huge once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to fight the pound-for-pound best in the female division. Um, however, that was right after I had a baby and that was very difficult because I had to, uh, overcome the obstacle of losing lots and lots of weight. So that was my main focus was to get back into shape and lose weight. But for this fight, completely different focus. I could focus more on my boxing. I didn't have to worry about losing 75 pounds. It was a much better experience. Now I can focus on me and being the best boxer that I can be. So a whole different dynamic, a much, much better situation than when I had to fight against Katie. You also didn't have a lot of time to prepare for the Katie Taylor fight, if I'm not mistaken. No, um, and, no and that, was, that was rough. Mayor, I feel like you've had a little more time this, this go-around. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Well, I mean, I, I had a six-week training camp, which, I mean, is normal for training. But like I said, I didn't have to focus on three months of just losing weight. It was way way better situation because I was already boxing and yep. I was already in the gym. I didn't have to struggle just focusing on losing weight. So no, this is way better, way better.
Jennifer, you've also never been the main event of an ESPN card before, and that's going to no. happen uh, yeah. this Saturday, which I know you got to be super excited about, whether it's ESPN, ESPN Deportes, ESPN Plus. Uh, you'll probably be going on around 9.15 in El Paso, and that's going to be an unbelievable opportunity for you. Yeah, no, this is amazing. Like, this is something we've dreamt about since the beginning of female boxing. Like, we were, we were trying and working so hard towards getting championship fights, towards getting paid well, towards getting um, television opportunities. And I didn't think I'd ever get them. And finally, these things are happening, and we get to headline ESPN. Like, it's amazing. I, I'm just, I'm truly blessed, and I, I'm so grateful for this opportunity because my entire career, I was hoping for this. Like, I remember telling you, like, they don't give the talented female fighters the opportunity to showcase themselves on TV. And now they're finally doing it. It's like, it's incredible. Well, listen, I'm excited for you. Katie Taylor, by the way, is considered the greatest female boxer of all time. So you've already been in the ring with her. So after Katie Taylor, it's all gravy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I wish Uh, you. Yes. Go ahead. I'm just like, McKenna Mary, she's great. She's uh, the unified champion. And for me to get this opportunity and to have fought Katie Taylor, like, yeah, my, my career is just getting sweeter and sweeter. So I, I'm excited. I'm very, very excited, and I can't wait till Saturday. Well, go take her WBA, WBC, IBF, WBO, and ring lightweight titles and uh, come back with more belts than we've ever seen before. How about it? <laughs> yes, definitely. Thank you, Steve. All right, Jennifer, we'll be watching Saturday night. Thanks for the time, and best of luck as always. I appreciate it. See you soon. There she is. El Paso's sweetheart, not to mention, hopefully, the new uh, unified lightweight champion. That would be phenomenal with uh, Jennifer Hahn. All right, we'll come back. Track Talk next. Sports Talk continues right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, Welcome back. Hour number two here on Sports Talk. So great to talk to Jennifer Hahn earlier, who was live a few hours ago for her big press conference at National Furniture Liquidator, 8600 Gateway Boulevard East. That's right. That's where Jennifer held her press conference with Louis Burke, talking about the big fight. Um, and going from NFL, at least the El Paso version of the NFL, right? Because we all know what the NFL is. But, hey, this is the El Paso version of the NFL, National Furniture Liquidator Shorty, for that matter. Uh, to right here to Sports Talk to talk about it. That was phenomenal. Love it. And how do we top it? How about this? A little track talk for your liking as this uh, will kick us off into our number two of the program. It's the start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. It is also the final track talk of the racing season. Hard to believe that track talk is coming to an end because for us it seems like it just started not that long ago. But, hey, we are excited about having the one, the only, Eric Alwyn, the voice of Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino with us one last time here for the 2022 season. And, uh, Eric, all I can say is congratulations to you, the entire team here at Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino. I know this has been one of the more successful live race meets that you and everybody at Sunland has had in, in many years. 
it turned out that way, Steve. And great to be on your on the program again. You know, when we started, you know, in late December, the last day of the year, there was some hiring difficulties, hiring challenges. We were a little short on horses, and uh, you know, we we were a little bit against the eight ball. It, it would have it seemed because of the two year break from from COVID. But right around February, uh, the racetrack and the casino started to click and and do a lot better. And then that purse increase that we had where we added over a million dollars to the program, that was the the frosting on the cake that allowed us to go from nine races a day to 12 and business really picked up. It was quite a quite a quite an effort from the team here at Sunland. Of course, uh, led by our director of racing, Dustin Dix, who was so instrumental in everything. And of course, Kyle Lim, our general manager, and uh, of course, Ahmed Mugney. Uh, who has led us through lots of lots of the time here at, at Sunland. The Sunland Derby turned out very, very well. We were able to get some star talent in it. The race was dramatic and, and came down to the wire. We had over 15,000 people for the Sunland Derby. So a lot of the things resembled the way, the way things were, you know, at the peak of the Sunland Derby. We were really glad about that, I think, the most. And it was a condensed meet. You know, it seemed short to you and to me because it was only just three months, 55 race days. So I don't know what Dustin's going to do about that. Maybe we'll add a little bit for next year, but it was certainly successful. But I'm, I'm happy to report that the Sunland Derby is alive and well and will be back next year. When Sunland was really in its heyday, how many race days were in the live meet? It's a great question. You mean like uh, when we got the casino and we had a few yes. years under our belt, like 05, 06, 08, mid 80s, okay. maybe 90? We would we would typically start. Now you got to remember back in the old old days before casino, we only raced three days a week, and we would go from you know late October, mid October, all the way to the first Saturday in May, the Kentucky Derby, and we would run over a hundred days then. But that's that was a different era. But in the casino era, I think we used to run in the high 80s and we would run from I think we would run from right after Thanksgiving to about mid-April and run four days a week. But, you know, times change and uh, the quality is certainly improved. I mean, you could even say now our quality is better than than it was maybe 15 years ago. And the casino has been around for. 22 some odd years. I think that's important too, because it's, it's when you're dealing with horse racing and you probably can attest to this quality is more important than quantity, isn't it? On, on the macroscopic level. Yes, it is. You, you got to give the fans some quality. However, they do like full fields. So it's a hegemony of both, but in my view, yes, quality is quality is the reason why, you know, we, we got the casino and turned our track into a racino. Because when you add this great amount of money to the purses, you get these big names like Doug O'Neill and Steve Esmussen. And your own horses, your New Mexico bred horses, run for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So someone is a really shining example of, of how the racino principle or theory was supposed to work out. And darned if it, uh, it didn't. It did, it did work out the way we always, we always thought. 
Eric Alwyn with us here uh, on Track Talk as we continue. Were you expecting a purse increase during this season, or did that catch you uh, off guard a little bit? Well, that, you know, that is in my domain. You know, I'm here to, you know, help you guys out in the media and call the races. But uh, I, I think it was a bit of a surprise. It was certainly a, a welcome surprise to the horsemen who had been out of work, at least here at Sunland. You know, they were able to go to other tracks for a lot less money. But to be here at home, a lot of the trainers and owners live here. They live in El Paso. They might, you know, migrate to Albuquerque, Riodoso, or Farmington, you know, for short stints. But they lost Sullivan Park for two meets. So, yes, it was such a, it was a lot of money. What was it? Was it 25, 30,000 extra a day? Mm -hmm. So those, even those bottom purses became quite lucrative. And like that, Steve, the entry box started flooding up. I was calling 12 horse fields. It seemed like all the time. Speaking of calling, uh, this is what your second season now, the full time season of calling races. Yes. You've grown We're up. Here. In, yeah, right. You've grown up in this track. You've called races for many years and other tracks uh, in New Mexico, primarily. And and I know you were close with Robert Geller, who was the longtime voice of Sunland Park Racetrack oh, and Casino. But I, all that being yeah. said, what's it been like for you to now? Add Sunland to your list of of tracks that you've called on a full time basis because this track has so much history uh, to you personally. It meant so much to me, Steve, because I grew up here. When I was nine years old, I was hanging out here in the press box with with Dad Dick Alwyn and all of the people that you know he dealt with back in the day, like Ray Sanchez, Tom Dawson, a legion of you know media types. And dad also helped create the massive All-American Fraternity and Derby. But on a personal level, mm -hmm. I knew that to survive in this game, in this racing game, I was going to have to reinvent myself, not once, not twice, probably three times, to be able to last 35 years because publicity wasn't going to cut it. And enough for my needs. But the announcing was the jewel, the key. And yeah, I've called decades worth at you know albuquerque and a couple of all americans have called and that that was kind of the the fundamentals the the breaking ground for me but this year it's everything because i got to call high quality yeah. under pressure dead heats all the time steve four or five horses when i see you the next time i'll show you some of the photos that i had to kind of decipher through I had to develop a little bit more of an arsenal on my announcing. I had to get better. And I think that the horses did do that for me. But I was able to increase my game, you know, where if you were listening to my calls, you could tell that, you know, Eric Alvin could call at any track in the country. I can't tell you how many times I was and so pleased that I was complimented because, you know, sometimes announcers are not, but an announcer doesn't need to get in the way of the race, you know, mm -hmm. but I'm kind of known for having some passion, you know, get a little excited yeah. without screaming. But what I did the last year, this year was like ratchet up my game a little bit more, you know, and it, and it pleased me because it was, you know, I'd gotten so sick there two years ago and with the sepsis and all, and I was wondering if, you know, I was done. So it was a great personal 
challenge to me. And uh, none of this is any degradation to to uh, Robert. You know, he did a fine job. He was here for many, many years. He was beloved. But times change, you know, and uh, they needed somebody here that could do everything. Well, they could do more than just an ounce. Mm -hmm. And that's where I fit in. But I'd like to think that I'm one of the greatest callers of quarter horses for sure. You know, I don't think I have too many. I don't think I have a peer in that. But the thoroughbred game is where I had to get a little bit stronger. And because of this menu that we have here at Sunland, you know, I was. I got the last bit of experience that I really needed. I mean, it takes a long time to be a good race call announcer. You're not going to get good in five, ten years. It's not enough. You got to see all kinds of scenarios, you know, to be able to respond in a millisecond and have the memory and eyes, you know. So <laughs> it took a lot of time. Eric Owens, the voice of Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino, or the Racino, as he's talked about earlier, and he joins us here on Track Talk. Give me some of the uh, trainers, uh, jockeys, and even horses that impressed you the most uh, during this uh, live uh, racing season. I think that, you know, that the, the, I got to visit Todd Fincher's stable and it's just immaculate, so beautiful, so clean. You know, normally you can't pet racehorses because they're, they're keyed up. They're, agi- they're, they're, they're ready to battle. But Todd's horses are classy, poised, cool, collected, and may I say most importantly, happy. Hence, they run well. So, I mean, Todd impresses me on so many levels. And and he's got so many great horses in all divisions, it seems. You know, he dominates the New Mexico Bread Stakes races, whether it be babies, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, older. He even does pretty good in quarter horses. And if that's not enough, Steve, he, he darn near won the Sullivan Derby again. And if it wasn't for Bye Bye Bobby going a little wide, I think he wins that race. I think he guns down uh, Doug O'Neill's, you know, slow down Andy. It was close for a while, but Todd's an exemplary trainer and he really helps keep New Mexico racing rolling from, a, you know, the trainer standpoint and uh, got to give him so many props. He's going to have a huge year. He's so loaded in all those divisions. I can't wait to call. We did have one baby thoroughbred race just, you know, at the end of the meet and he won that. And that's for two-year-olds. We basically just had two-year-old quota horses this season. But uh, you're going to see a lot from Todd Fincher in coming years. And I also would like to congratulate Judge Lanier Racing. Tom and Sandy McKenna, two of the most crucial owners of the last 20 years here at Sunland. They're the most successful owners in the Racino era here at Sunland. They got Minette Star rolling, the half-brother to uh, Minette Bird. He won the two big stakes races for the older horses. And if it wasn't for getting involved, maybe in that tremendous pace duel that we just had in the Sullivan Park handicap, he might've been able to win that one too. And, uh, but, but who won it? Todd Fincher's horse, Sheriff Brown coming from far back. We saw a new jockey champion crown for the first time in the thoroughbred ranks, Luis Fuentes. He wrote a lot for Todd. He was tremendous, but he wrote a lot for many barns. Probably if Alfredo Juarez didn't get dinged up, you know, he might, he might could have won the title. He was a close second. Todd, of course, won the top uh, thoroughbred training honors. 
Noe Garcia was our leading quarter horse jockey and Eric Valenzuela, our leading quarter horse trainer. So seeming like we have some new blood here and some of our former blood that refuses to let go of the mantle. I'm excited for you. Um, and now the off season starts and then, um, you know, we'll find out if in fact live racing will begin right around the same time as last year, which was uh, new year's Eve. Maybe they, yeah. uh, maybe they decide to uh, push it up a little bit to earlier in December and who knows, but all I can tell you is this based on the Sunland Derby and all the excitement and momentum, you're right. Things are in really, really good shape heading into the uh, 23 racing season. We're so lucky. But it was a great team effort here. Everyone from the top down really pitched in and did multiple jobs and uh, just carried carried the way through it. I think Dustin Dix is going to have a very busy summer off season. Uh, we have to find a new racing secretary because Jerry Richards, our fine fine uh, racing secretary, was plucked away from us from to New York. He's going to Finger Lakes. He's already there. So we'll have to find, you know, and a racing secretary is the man that puts together the races, deals with the horsemen on a daily basis. So it's a crucial job. So we'll have to find another one of them, and we're going to have to find another track man, man that, you know, fashions the racetrack, makes it so safe for the horses. And, uh, and then Dustin has to figure out, you know, with management, when we're going to run, how we're going to run, and uh, go from there. But I can't wait to come back and I'll spend a few weeks well a month at Farmington calling the races there all of our horses will be so sharp and ready to go there that they'll win and then about a couple months after that go to Albuquerque and do some nighttime racing nice hey in the meantime thanks for uh, being so great with us each and every week really, and sir. just like thanks old times you, and uh, we'll look forward to having we'll you back on year. a little bit later in the year you got it sir thanks Steve He's Eric Allen, folks, and uh, this has been Track Talk here on 600 ESPN El Paso. In fact, uh, we'll come back with plenty more, including Jeff Erickson from Rotowire, right after Charlie Wan, who's back and has this traffic update for us. 24 past the hour. Sports Talk continues. Uh, baseball season right around the corner. Starts actually for us in 40 minutes. Chihuahua's baseball. Adrian, can you believe it 40 minutes from now? No, I can't, Steve. I can't believe it, but I hear Tim Haggerty in the background. Uh, I can't wait to bring him on in uh, less than 25 minutes to preview this game. But, yeah, it's opening day for AAA baseball. I love Unreal. It. Chihuahua's right around the corner, which means it's also fantasy draft time. For those of you that haven't drafted yet, what are you waiting for? Season starts Thursday. I mean, I've got one tomorrow night. i got a fab draft that's going to be an NL-only 5 by 5 fab draft tomorrow night. But uh, for our special guest who joins us uh, usually every Wednesday at this time, but we uh, decided to move him up a day early with everything else going on. It's a busy week. The one, the only, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. Jeff, are you done with all your drafts or you have any more between now and, uh, and Thursday? How about between now and the next hour? I've got uh, one starting at 5 o'clock and another <laughs> one at 6 o'clock. The one at 6 o'clock is the reserve and minor league portion of a draft we did way back in, like, November uh, so, uh, but yeah, I have another one that's a Yahoo draft that we do every year. My one league that has daily moves, daily lineups. So, uh, that'll be a fun one. It's the Yahoo, like experts league, friends and family, like Yahoo ex- experts and other people in the industry. So looking forward to that. And then I have the Rotowire staff keeper league on opening day night, Thursday night. So, uh, yeah, still got a busy plate here. It sounds like it. And by the way, it is, I mean, it's, it's fun to see now 
how much movement there is right around uh, baseball, how many rookies are making rosters, and yep. and and also how some teams are probably still not done with with possible trades. Right, we saw last night the Rays and Tigers get together uh, and uh, turn around and make make a deal there with. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, Reds and Tigers get together, and make a deal to get uh, Austin Meadows going to the uh, Tigers. The Rays, uh, they, they got Paredes in a, in a competitive balance pick in the second round. Uh, but the key was here fl- freeing up salary space, which they may use later on, or they may pocket, who knows. Uh, but they also freed up roster space for Josh Lowe, the uh, center field prospect that they have. Although their offense, their outfield defense is so good between Kiermaier and Margot, uh, that they, they cover a lot of ground to begin with there. Even a Rosarina is a pretty decent outfielder. Uh, so they're having fun just putting it all together. I think the Rays are still going to be good, and Lowe's going to be a fun, fun guy to go invest in. At the same time, uh, I was a little surprised that uh, Austin Meadows found himself uh, shipped out to Detroit, weren't you? No, they had been rumored uh, that they were going to peddle him, um, in part because he's arbitration eligible. Uh, the other part is that you know he was already getting benched against lefties. He's got a pretty bad, bad platoon split, and they're not enamored with his defense. So that's what drew them to go ahead and go that route. Okay, that's fair. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, you look at some of the rookies making uh, spring training rosters. I know you're not surprised about Bobby Witt. Uh, comes up as a shortstop, but he's going to break in as a third baseman for the Royals. Yeah, uh, one of the two. One of the three top prospects in baseball, and they're all getting the call. I love it. Um, it you know, maybe this is one thing that mostly was solved uh, during the lockout. Mostly, I say, because there's one team that's like flouting convention and keeping their prospect down, and that's the Pirates because they're in the corner eating paste anyhow, so that's what they do. Uh, but uh, it, it's exciting to see all these other young players getting the call. I'm with you on that one. Who you mo- By the way, it looks like C.J. Abrams is going to break camp with the Padres. Yeah, a little surprised by that. He only has 76 minor league games of experience. I, I wouldn't have been – I think this one's completely – you know, it's gone the opposite side of the spectrum, but he's having a great camp. He's wowing him offensively and defensively. Fantasy-wise, he's worth more than I think even in real life because of those steals. He is lightning fast. So, you know, you're looking for a stolen base option. He, he's one that I'd be really interested in getting. I would, too, if you're playing for that. I think that's a great uh, great way to look at it. Hey, meanwhile, I'm a little surprised like you, but uh, they did the same thing with Fernando Tatis Jr. years ago, but Tatis had a lot more minor league experience than CJ did. Right. And hit a better power tool, uh, too. Uh, let's, let's face it, CJ Abrams doesn't have a whole lot of power. He did hit a couple homers in spring training, but it's in Arizona. We all know it's kind of a launching pad there. Uh, but, uh, you know, hey, it could be uh, really fun to see what they do. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, you know, if he was playing some right field today in today's spring training game, so that gives you an idea. They, they wanted him to be like a super utility guy, play some shortstop, play some outfield, you know, for the next two months while Tatis is out, it, it might be what they need. You know, and obviously if he doesn't hit, if he falls flat on his face, you'll see him down in El Paso sooner rather than later. I agree with that. Um, I also think that, um, you know, they'll give him plenty of opportunities with Tatis out right now. And and the interesting Mm -hmm. thing is they're putting him in right field, but I still think that right now they're probably undecided about what they really want to do at shortstop in the future, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think they're keeping open the possibility that, uh, you know, he'll play shortstop and Tatis the outfield maybe to save Tatis' shoulder. Now, keep in mind, he never got that shoulder fixed. That's true. You know, he never... 
you know, he never had surgery on that shoulder, and we're talking he and Tatis. Uh, that still lingers. That's still a concern. You know, all the talk about about his wrist injury. You know, he was already in some circles. Some people were discounting him uh, because of the risk the risk of the uh, shoulder injury. Uh, keep in mind that he still put up those crazy numbers with missing forty games last year. Uh, I, I think that a healthy Tatis is the clear one point one is the fun stuff there. So. Uh, but yeah, what what they do with him in his future is obviously pretty important there. Um, and you know, it's nice to have optionality, and that's one thing they do. The Padres are also kind of up against it against the luxury tax. So yeah. you've seen a lot of trade rumors of them trying to you know foist Eric Hosmer's contract on someone else, uh, which would allow them room to improve. Maybe get a corner outfielder. Maybe go sign Michael Conforto for that matter. Uh, but uh, you know, because he's like the one name brand free agent that's out there. But they, I think they are looking for one more outfielder. More with Jeff as we hit the bottom of the hour, but first right back to Adrian in this Sports Center update.